One day a man approaches Jesus, and this man is an expert in the law, the Old Testament law. And he asks Jesus a question. He says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Now this question is pretty simple because what this man is is asking is this. How do I live in step with and in tune with God today and forever? So Jesus, knowing that this man is an expert in the Old Testament law, which means he knows the first five books of the Bible inside and out, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This man is an expert in these books. He knows them, like, inside and out. He's an expert in the law. Jesus knows this, so Jesus flips the question back onto him, and Jesus asks him, how do you interpret the law? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Check. Ding, 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 ding. He got the answer right, right? Woo! That's what Christians do. We get the right answer. Here's what you need to know. The word neighbor back in those days was synonymous with family. Israel had 12 tribes, but your neighbor... When you said your neighbor, it only referred to your tribe. People that looked like you, people that acted like you, people that voted like you, people that thought like you, they wanted the same things as you. That was your neighbor. But someone from another tribe, okay, even though they were a part of the Hebrew story, you didn't have to help them. So this expert in the law, he gets curious and he asks Jesus, he says, define the word neighbor, Jesus. Define the word neighbor. And so Jesus says, okay. And then he goes on to tell a story of a man who's on a journey. And while this man is on this journey, he gets robbed. And he's beaten and he's bloodied and he's stripped of his clothes and he's left half naked on the side of the road, left for dead. And Jesus tells the story of how two religious leaders see this man on the side of the road, left bloodied and dead, left for dead. And these two religious leaders, they step over the man to go about their business. They had so much to do. I imagine the expert in the the law was thinking, okay, Okay, Jesus is st- telling the story, and he's about to tell about the hero, the hero rather that comes in and, and rescues this man. And I bet you this hero is going to come from my tribe. And that's not what Jesus does. Jesus does tell about a hero who comes and rescues this man, but this man is not from his tribe, and he's not even from any tribe of Israel. This hero is someone on the other side of the spectrum. This person, this man who comes to help the man who had been robbed, he comes from the most despised, most hated rival to the Hebrew people. His very kind was a word that was a racist term. It was Samaritan. And we know the story of the good Samaritan because he comes and he sees the man that's, you know, left for dead on the side of the road and he picks up this man and he 
puts him on his own donkey and he, he takes him into town and he puts him into an inn and he pays the innkeeper and he says, if there's any more expenses, I'll come back and pay, but just make sure that this man has time to get healed. Make sure that he is cared for. And then Jesus asks this question to the expert of the law. Who do you think loved their neighbor? And the expert of the law says, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus says, you are correct. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. You know, in a culture where the idea of neighbor was was so restrained, so singular to tribe, Jesus swings the door wide open and he says, you know who your neighbor is? It's the person you can't stand. It's the person that does not look like you. It's the person who is your rival. It's the person who has wounded you. You know who your neighbor is? It's those outside of your safe little bubble that needs to burst. That's who your your neighbor is. And Jesus says, you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to love others always. That's what you're supposed to do. My name is Justin Ross, and we are starting a three-week series called Love Does. And, And it's hard to love other people, isn't it? Okay, am I the only one that's confessing this morning? It's hard to love other people. It's hard. It's a fight. Sometimes it's a war. It's difficult. It's so hard to love others. I mean, you turn on the news, and it's all this negativity, and everything in our world is pushing back against us. You know, everyone, everything in our culture is, is trying to, to, to pull us in the direction of not loving each other. It's pushing us back to the archaic, singular view of the word neighbor. And Jesus just, he keeps whispering to us, come on, like, trust me. Trust me, neighbor is so much wider, it's so much bigger. You have to understand that there are only two primary emotions, drivers that will compel you to go out and to love people that are not like you. You have to understand there are only two primary emotions, and it's simply this, love and fear. Love and fear. Everything falls under these two words, love and fear. You know what fear is? Fear is the desire to build up a wall to protect you from them. That's what fear is. To separate. You know what fear is? Fear is keeping secrets so you're not fully found out, so you're not fully known or fully seen. That's what fear is. You know what fear is? Fear is separating yourself from them. And oftentimes when Jesus invites us to love the whole wide spectrum of who your neighbor is, fear comes up inside of us. And it's a hard thing to do, and we sense this fear within us, and it keeps us from doing the right thing. I remember feeling this personally. I remember feeling that feeling of fear, of like, man, 
These people are not like me. I don't relate to them. I don't even speak the same language as them. It was a very real thing in my life. I was in South Africa in an area called the Transkei. The area called the Transkei, the Transkei, it means this. It means the area beyond or the area over there. Okay? That's what the Transkei means. It's home to the Ulsa people. That's how you say it. You can say it with me. Ulsa. Thank you. It's an ethnic group that includes such figures as Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu. In this region, okay, these people have become ingrained in my memory. During the apartheid, people who thought they were superior, they tried to separate the Ulsa people into a land over there, into the Transkei. They tried to separate them because they were different. They didn't want to be like them. They didn't want them to be like us, and so we separated them into a land over there. They were trying to separate a group of people they despised and they rejected. The last couple of days that we were there in the Transkei, we went into a very remote village, a village that was far away, and, and our whole goal was to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. And these people in this village, they had only seen a handful of white people in their entire lives, okay? Didn't, white people was not a common thing there. And when we got there, I could feel the eyes staring at us and watching our every move. And, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not, but I felt like a minority. I really did. And as we walked into the village, I wasn't really sure what to do. This was unknown territory to me. I had never been here before. But I could feel the Holy Spirit whispering to me, Justin, these people are your neighbors. These people are your neighbors. And as we continued to walk towards the village, these young men right here in this picture, these young men, they came up to me. It's kind of blurry, but... They came up to me and and they started shaking my hand and they would not stop shaking my hand. They were so enthralled with my white pasty skin, okay? I mean, they were just so amazed, shaking shaking my hand, so excited to see a white man. And they were just shaking my hand, shaking my hand, like for an awkwardly long time, okay? (laughs) Shaking my hand. And as you can see in the picture, I have a hat on. It was cold. Like imagine if I took my hat off and showed them this thing, right? They would have been super impressed. But they, uh, they were so impressed, you know, with, with seeing a white man for the first time. But I really challenged myself to look into their eyes. And by looking into their eyes, looking into the eyes of these young men and to the, to the, to the women, to the, the men in that village, my fears were driven out. You see, God's greatest treasure is people. That's what he values above anything else, is people. As a matter of fact, you have never looked into the eyes of someone that does not matter to God. Everyone matters to him. We need to get back to love. We need to get back to love. I actually had to photobomb one picture while we were there. These were some uh, young ladies there in in a Bible college being trained up 
to take the, the gospel message into villages. It was just an incredible experience. Trisha actually had to try one of their customs. They can carry stuff on their head, which is crazy. And Trisha was able to carry that for about a second <laughs> before it fell out. See, when Jesus says to love your neighbor, it's so deep. It's so theological. It's so crucial to the story of God. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture this morning, and I, and I pray that many of you will hear this with fresh ears because it is, it's a passage of Scripture that we've often heard. Some of you, this may be your first time to church in a very long time, and it may be brand new to you. It's such a powerful powerful section of scripture and we find it in the book of first corinthians and i want to take you to the city of corinth okay that's where this is taking place and corinth was much like durango it was hyper sexualized it was hyper individualistic very materialistic and it was very driven this it was it was a bustling culture i mean very active and yet there was this jesus movement that was happening within the city of corinth And the Apostle Paul was telling the Corinthian church that every one of you, every single one of you has been gifted by God. Every single one of you has a gift from God, whether it be leadership or teaching or evangelism or mercy or hospitality. I mean, Paul is going all out saying that every one of you has been gifted by God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, but I need to tell you the most excellent way. And he says this, Paul says, I don't care if you're the greatest teacher, if your prayers are the most prophetic, if you write the most beautiful worship songs, if you lead some of the most influential organizations in this region, it does not matter if love is not the foundation. It doesn't matter. It will all be for naught. And here's what we're going to do throughout this series called Love Does, we're going to take a deep dive into what love truly is. We're going to talk about what love is not. We're going to talk about what love is. And we're going to talk about what love does. Because Paul says, if we get this right, this love thing, if we get this right, When you are sent out into your town, into your neighborhoods, into your families, you can multiply your reach because people will see your love in a brand new way. And that is is my prayer for you. That is my prayer for Grace Church today. That when you head back into your neighborhoods, into your workplaces, into your families, into this community, that you will have a foundational understanding of what love means so you can truly love the entire spectrum like Jesus intended. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. This is what Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church. He says, If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, If I had such faith that I could move the La Plata Mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor, even the shirt off my back and sacrificed my body 
I could boast about it. I could brag about how righteous and how good and how holy I am. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I want this, I want this to get really practical for us. I want us to be able to grab a hold of it. I want to give us one thing this morning, one thing that you can do for your neighbor today, one thing. Like, if you walk out of here with anything, walk out with this. One thing to be able to have kingdom influence and impact. And it comes from the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, the same guy that was talking to the church in Corinth, He's actually taking this message of love and he's bringing it to different cities and he's bringing it to the church in Philippi. And this is what he says. He talks about what love does. He says this in Philippians chapter 2 in the last part of verses 3 and verse 4. Paul says, value others. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of of others. Value others. Every person that you come across this week, I mean, what would it look like if you could raise their value? Like you value them. What would it look like if every person that you interacted with, from the busboy to the store clerk, you know, to the to the coworker, to your fellow student, to the salesperson, to your neighbor, to the boss, to that family member, what would it look like if every person that you came in contact with, you said this, I'm going to value them above myself. I'm going to value them. What if when they left your presence, they actually felt like their spirits had been lifted? Like, have you ever been around those kind of people? I have. Or gosh, you just spend a short time with them and you walk away and it's like, man, I got a little pep in my step. Like, they just encouraged me. They built me up like, man, I, I want to hang around them more. They added value to my life. They made me think, gosh, I can go accomplish things. Like, they, they made me feel worthwhile. They added value to my life. That's what love does. That's, that's what love does is it values people. It lifts people up. The one thing you can do for your neighbor and understanding that the word neighbor is not just the person that lives next door to you. The word neighbor is the human race. It's all of mankind. The one thing you can do for your neighbor is value them. Value them. It means they're actually worth it. And here's the tough one, especially for us fellas. Okay, let's be real. I'm not going to sugarcoat stuff. It means you actually care. I've heard that so much. I've heard that so much from guys in this church. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. That's not the way of Jesus, just so you know. It's not the way of Jesus. It's actually a very cowardly path, and it's a very easy path. The hard path, the high road, the way of Jesus is to care and to actually value people. 
You see, the call from Jesus is to put our love into action. It's a verb. It's an action word. We need to make the decision. We've talked about the word decide. You need to decide to love. You need to decide to forgive, to accept, to bless, to respect, and to inspire others always. Because once again, God's greatest treasure is people. As a matter of fact, you have never looked into the eyes of someone that does not matter to God. And let me just give a little word of encouragement. I believe we as a church are going the right direction. I have heard multiple stories from multiple people that said, man, when I came in here with all my brokenness, like I felt accepted here. I felt loved. I didn't feel judged. I felt welcomed. And let me just tell you, when I hear those stories, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Like, that's the church I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a church like that because I'm sick and tired of having the label of judgmentalism, you know? And we're just always shunning, and it's what we're against. I want to be known for what we're for. We're for people. We're for the success of this community. I want to see your businesses flourish. I want to see your family flourish and your marriages. Like, we're for you. And the best way to flourish is through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's be the kind of people who step outside of our comfort zones, outside of our safe bubbles, and we live out this message. Let's be the kind of people that make some burritos and take it to the neighbors we don't know or make some cookies or whatever, jalapeno poppers. My house, I'll give you my address, okay? Let's be those kind of people. I know uh, I'm a I'm a pastor. I, I'm preaching right now, and it may feel a little bit like I'm talking at you. I want you to know that's not my intention because I struggle with the very same things that we're talking about. It is hard to love people. It's hard to love people that are really annoying. It's hard to love people that are extremely different than you, that you don't have, you know, commonalities with. It's hard to love people. It's hard. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song called Love is War. Sometimes love is war. We have to fight our way out of the culture, out of this tribe mentality And we have to make the choice to value others always. I'm a part of a new tribe. I'm a child of the king. That's the tribe I'm a part of, Jesus' tribe. Okay? Man, we want to invite people into that. We all have this tendency to be isolated or to separate ourselves from people who seem to be different. We all have the tendency to just care for only our own tribe. But, but here's the challenging truth. I am so glad that God did not treat us this way. He didn't separate himself from us. Instead, he came to us. For God so loved the world, you and me, that he gave his one and only son. He came to us in spite of us, in spite of our differences, in spite of our brokenness. Jesus came to earth because he valued us. He valued you and me. He looked beyond our differences and our brokennesses and, and, and our brokenness, and he came to us because he valued us. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us. 
You see, love isn't easy, but Jesus has set the bar. He set the standard. He says, this is what love looks like. And I fall short of that standard all the time. We fall short all the time. But you know what? That is the standard. And I'm going to do my best to point us to that standard and say, that's how we need to love. We need to love like Christ loved us. You see, when he came, we were actually his enemy. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like, think about the person that you hate the most, that you despise, and imagine giving your life for that person. I don't know if I could do it. To be honest with you, I don't think I could. But yet, while we were yet sinners, while we were actually shaking our fist in the face of God, he died for us. He gave his life for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have life. Love isn't easy. If it was, everyone would be doing it. Love is war. I pray this song blesses you this morning. I'm going to ask us to stand. Let's sing this song.